Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Great to be able to see you, and um, that psalm is going to be one that we're going to be looking at a lot, and I know many of you will be excited about that because for lots of people, I mean, that's consistently voted the nation's, the world's favorite psalm from out of all of the songs in God's songbook psalm 23 is uh, is like number one on the hit parade i suppose so we're going to be using that as we go through a series that we start today called reimagine and uh, we're going to be looking at it in, in on sundays but also in our grow groups as we start to you know as we continue actually to pray to learn and to plan together how we follow god as his church through these strange times that we're going through when the old maps that we had don't fit the current terrain in which we find ourselves. And if we don't take, take, take time, like David did when he wrote that psalm, to just get there by the still waters, if we don't take some time to reflect, then all kinds of things go wrong. If, if we don't make space to hear God, we just end up sometimes doing something rather than um, waiting upon him to help us to be able to do his thing. We can end up getting stuck in with inaction or we can get involved in all kinds of distraction. We can end up taking the wrong action or sometimes, like if you're like me, you just end up with your first reaction. The only way to af- avoid that is reflection. So reflection really matters. I don't know about you, but it feels to me that there's an awful lot continually for us to juggle at the moment. I can spend a lot of time, therefore, in that place of reaction. And then when somebody else comes along and asks me a question, I'm juggling all these things at the same time, and then you come and ask me about that one, I can end up, if I'm not careful, coming out of a place of reaction into that and, and uh, rather than reflection, and, and you don't get the best out of me then. So today we're going to reflect on God's Word. And I've also spent some time reflecting on what He's been saying to me through you, through God's people, and the questions that some of you have been asking about the future, which is very uncertain in many ways, but people have been coming along and asking, so what's happening and what's going to happen now and what's going to happen next at Ivy? And I want to start out from that by saying I'm really, really sorry. I'm sorry that I haven't always been good at listening to the heart behind what it is that you're saying when you're asking those kind of questions. Sometimes it's a bit like in a marriage when Zoe will be asking me something and it, it, you know, she'll say, like, you, didn't, you didn't get the heart behind what it was. And you, maybe you've given me an answer or response, but you've not actually 
heard me um, and, and heard what's going on inside of her. And even after all these years, I still mess that up way too regularly. But rather than give any excuses, I want to say thank you for being patient with me as a leader here. When I discovered that it got to the point that somebody this week had, had put out like an anonymous survey, rather than ask us um, on Sunday to, to put out another survey, as we've done before, about what you think's happening and what should happen, I have to own that. That's my fault, that somebody feels so disenfranchised in some way that they would feel that that's an appropriate action for them to take. So I take full ownership and responsibility for if we've not communicated as clearly, whatever we possibly can to be able to help and provide the reassurance that you need. I'm really sorry. If people feel confused, it's confusing times and that's understandable. But if anybody feels like I don't care, well, I've not reflected Jesus to you very well, if that's the case. And I, again, apologise and I say I'm sorry and I ask for your forgiveness, please, for that. And please, will you continue to work with us as we reimagine together what church is going to be like in the future so that as we reflect on what church is going to be like, we end up reflecting Jesus better as the church and continue to do that into the world. So with this new series, I think it's really going to be helping us as we look to how we now move into the next few weeks and months into various physical celebrations while continuing to be able to keep connected online in the ways that we are doing and the things that we've learned through that have been invaluable. But how do we connect? How do we kind of reform? How do we reset? How do we readjust to be able to be those communities of people gathering together and in recent years, many of you know, we've met in those way as sites and there's going to be some celebrations of those things later on today. And when we meet like that this afternoon, if you get to go to one of those things, it's going to be hard, but it's also going to be good to be able to reflect on what has been. But in this next series, we're not just staying static with that. We're going to go and we're going to, um, we're going to next week we're going to look at refresh how we refresh uh, as a church and how we, we come back afresh. And then we're going to be unpacking the exciting things, some of which you're going to hear about today, uh, that lead us in the next week to rejoice and then remember and then finally recover. And it's all linked with that Psalm, Psalm 23, which, as I say, we're going to be looking at in our grow groups too. And now would be a great time, if you're not already in a grow group, to sign up and join with one. Today we just had somebody new join our group last week and I hope he stays and uh, it's good for us to be able to not get out of community and many of new grow groups have formed and many new people have joined grow groups and we're so excited about that now is a great time to do that so by the time this series is over which is five weeks time from now we'll just then be one more tantalizing week away from hopefully being able to meet in more ways and more places physically and we want to do that but if you read in the weekly email that we send out, the annoying thing is that while I pass pubs and it seems like everything, all bets are off and everybody's just crowding back in and you know, restaurants seem to be opening up all, all of that, at the moment, the, the government restrictions and guidelines for us as church really haven't changed that much hardly at all. There's, just, hardly, there's little incremental changes, but nothing much to be able to do that, which is really frustrating. But you know what? After we've been so patient... I actually feel we can still take advantage of that. And rather than be frustrated, we can take the time to continue to pray, to, to prepare and to plan 
for some new tremendous physical gatherings that we're planning at the end of June, when hopefully we'll be able to, um, you know, well, according to Boris, maybe all bets are off. So we had a great time yesterday as a staff and elders team planning together and starting to look at multiple services at different times, adding more and more gatherings, short gatherings here on Sundays in Didsbury as well as in Cheadle Hume. And we're praying and looking and we want you to pray and look with us to our other places as well that we can meet in in different ways we can do that through the summer. We can't do it without you. We don't want to do it without you. Please pray for those open doors to really open up. So again, as, as later today, you're going to see familiar faces, some of you, when you go and you meet in those ways as sites, as you were Ivy Shaston, Ivy Academy, Ivy, whatever it was, all those different kinds of things. Now is a time, please, for us to come together. Like those people were praying earlier, and Matt just announced it and said it, as one church in unity, as ivy church to be together and from that place of spiritual unity we remember today if ever on pentecost how the holy spirit gets poured out when people are gathered together and praying in unity so we're going to keep on connecting we're going to keep on connecting through this month and staying online together we're going to meet physically again as well as as doing that we plan to meet more and more to gather for worship and for prayer and for community to give and receive to love and be loved to know and be known to share God's word and to be able to share our, our hopes and our fears and our dreams together. And, and we need you, please, in the meantime, do come. Do come to what we are actually putting on. Rather than saying, oh, we can't wait until you do more, please book into what we're doing, to the Worship Wednesday evenings, to being here in, this, in these gatherings, to be, you know, so many opportunities that we've got now for you to book in and to be able to come along to. It's, Ivy, um, we've got the family church happening today as well. These things are so important for us to be able to meet when we can. And again, please will you do this study in your grow group. If you're a grow group leader, I'm really asking you, don't just go and do your own thing. It's vital that we look at these issues together biblically. So please do do the notes that we've asking people to do in this series. It's fantastic material. It's actually from the Church of England. A friend of mine, John McGinley, wrote it from a church in Leicester. But it's like helping the whole Church of England because we're not the only church, you know, that's having to wrestle with these issues. Helping us to be able to think well together and pray well together, to be together into the future as Ivy Church. And can I also ask you to consider, as one of our questioners from the meeting last week did, to add fasting to your prayers at some point in the weeks ahead too. I've let the discipline go a little bit, to be honest with you. I used to like be fast, on five, on, fast till five on Fridays was my discipline, and it kind of got lost a little bit during lockdown. But I'm, I'm committed to reinstating that, and I'm going to be fasting more. And we want to be having more opportunities to meet and pray together online or physically as well in different places. And we're going to have those meetings, and we won't just have prayer and conversation and not much prayer. We want to have prayer. We actually want to be able to pray together. Some of you know... This is not the first time that Ivy has had a shake-up to man the lifeboats. The Lord has moved us around as a church in so many different places, in many places around the city over the years. And every time when we've moved and got to a point like this, we've called the whole church, everybody who loves this church, to pray and fast. And guess what? God opens doors when we do that. He, he tells us how he wants us and where he wants us to meet together. And we want God's ideas because one idea of God's is better than a thousand of any of ours. From one such time 
we first moved out of this building and we ended up moving to Gorton Monastery 11 years ago. A few years ago, it was from a period of fasting and prayer that Ivy Academy got started when the pub, well, they got thrown out of the pub, effectively, that they had been meeting in. And, and from there, a new place opened up. It was during one of those times that my wonderful friend Dave Clark came to see me and showed me a scruffy uh, sports field in Cheadle. Hume and said, what do you think? And I said, I think you're bonkers. But God had a plan. And it didn't come from me. It came from us. And it came from him. So we've all got questions about the future. We're not afraid to ask the questions. We want to hear the questions. But we also know we still haven't got all the answers. And we trust the Lord. And we want to spend time reflecting together to let the Holy Spirit speak to us through you and through me and through everybody about the different ways and places that we can be and do church as Ivy as we reimagine the future. I'll say it again, just to be really clear. As we emerge from enforced hibernation, from the, the, like the COVID cocoon that we've been in, we're planning in faith for more services, more gatherings too, as the promised lockdown easing opens up. And that would effectively mean that from the 21st of June, please pray for us as we plan multiple short simple services and then to do that into July here at Didsbury and at Cheadle Hume to start with we'll see what else happens we think they'll be oversubscribed we hope they are and we need God to keep on showing us new ways to be able to meet and gather too in the meantime please don't just book out your Sundays doing other stuff don't go shopping don't go church shopping if you love this church be part of this church please and pray for it it was brilliant to look at this as a staff and elders team. Not going back, just looking back. We learned some things from going back, but also looking forward in new ways. Actually, new ways sometimes in old places. And of course, nothing just happens. And it can't just be a few doing and a bunch of other people watching and giving them scores out of 10. I know that you wouldn't want that either. I know many of you, you're dying to serve again. You had a ministry and it's felt like it's been kind of put on the shelf during this time in some ways. But listen, if you used to be on the welcome team at Ivy Sharston, help us welcome as Ivy. If you used to um, you know, play in some way musically at Ivy Academy, please get involved and help us as we continue to meet in these different ways in the future. We need welcoming and if teaching and praying and playing together, not just as Sharston, but as, and not just as Didsbury, not just as Academy, not just as Fuse, but as Ivy, Ivy being together. Meanwhile, meantime, every week we've been meeting like this and I'm so grateful for the guys here in the room and I'm sure that you are too who've put so much work in to keep you connected by doing this stuff brilliantly online and for lots of you who are watching now online who've discovered Ivy and through that maybe even found Jesus through this time it's so precious to me to be able to think that we can meet not just physically but also to be able to do that online. We want to do both. We want to meet you like this. And we also want to meet face to face or even at the moment what we can do, mask to mask. To be in the buildings and pray as we plan for the future. So we've learned these days, I hope, to write all of our plans in pencil. But I think this reimagined series material we're adapting to help really will help. And it, as the whole church goes through this global upheaval, everybody... 
Every business, every organization, every family, every, everybody has to reimagine, has to reset, has to look at how we restart and not just react. But for us, 2020 didn't start with COVID. That was our year of focus. Some of you remember that. And we, the Holy Spirit encouraged us to read a brilliant book and we looked at it together called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which highlighted just one of it, a survey of 20,000 Christians that found, and I quote this, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry and overload, and then the cycle begins again. I read that and I was like, that's so true, that that is what often happens for me. I felt that ahead of COVID. And I don't know, some people were like, oh, well, during COVID, I just got more time and space to relax. I never did. I don't think I've ever been as busier than throughout the whole time since COVID happened. And I've not been able to take much time to reflect, to do what Psalm 23 says that David did. You know, it says, the Lord says, he made us, he made him lie down in green pastures. Some of us, no matter what's going on, we end up having to be made to lie down. And maybe that did happen for you in covid why does God make us lie down? Because he wants to restore us. But that won't happen, you know, unless we lean over the still waters and look and reflect and reflect. What does reflecting do? Two things. Number one, reflecting helps me recalibrate and see the bigger picture. Sometimes I can get so stuck on what's in front of me, what's happening right now. Edgar Mitchell was a, a NASA astronaut with Apollo 14. He said he could never be the same after seeing the Earth from space. He said this, I'll quote, you develop an instant global consciousness, a people orientation, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world and a compulsion to do something about it. That's what comes from getting a bigger picture. Has this time, as you reflected on it, helped you to get a bigger picture and realise how connected we are with the world. And also as a church, with the church around the world, not even just to think ivy, but to think about the church at work in the world. Now the Bible says, actually, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ, so we don't even need to get up in a rocket to be able to do this. Our perspective never needs to be bound by the headlines and the horrors and the happenings all around us. If we lift up our heads and we change our focus, we start to see bigger. Another thing that reflection does is it gives me the chance to reevaluate my life, changing not just how I see the world, but how I see me, how I see myself. And the word that the Bible would use for that kind of reflection is repentance. It's repent. In April 1888, a chemist called Alfred Nobel, his brother died, his brother called Ludwig, and due to bad newspaper reporting it actually his obituary appeared it said that Alfred had died and this is what it said the merchant of death is dead the man who invented dynamite and nitroglycerin who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before died yesterday as Alfred Nobel read his own obituary ahead of time he reflected on his life and he was appalled that that was how he was thought about. And so he decided to change his life. And he cashed out much of his vast fortune, more than 200 million pounds in today's terms. And he changed his will and created the Nobel 
prizes awarded to those who, it says, conferred the greatest benefit to humankind, advancing fellowship among nations and establishing and promoting peace. His reflections on his life led to a change of trajectory, a change of thinking and feelings, and that led to a change of destiny and how his reputation, how he's remembered now today. That's what repentance looks like in some ways. Jesus' first sermon is summed up in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. It says that Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Literally, it's so near you can touch it. Repent, turn around and believe the good news. Kingdom, what does kingdom mean? It means king's domain. The domain of the king. A king has a domain, a territory, a place of rule. And here, the king of kings has stepped onto the earth and he declares that heaven is now available because he is there. And wherever Jesus is, the kingdom comes. So right here on earth, Jesus is saying, heaven has broken in because I am here. And today, if you didn't know, is Pentecost Sunday. But you know, the world doesn't really celebrate Pentecost Sunday. They know about Christmas and they know about Easter. They don't really know much about Pentecost. But it's often been called the, the church's birthday. And how interesting that at a moment here at Ivy and for every other church of great significance to reconfigure, to realign, to reconsider, to reboot. I'm thinking that we need the Holy Spirit more than ever. And I'm thanking you for being part of this and I'm looking forward as I say to seeing some of you face to face later on this afternoon but when we go and meet those people again that we have previously met with and we've loved meeting with insights that we've prayed for and with and served alongside and reached out to our communities together please again would you take the opportunity to reflect and to pray that we would spiritually come together during this time even more than ever as one church Ivy Church because well, for the glory of Jesus, not for the name of Ivy, but for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ, because that's what matters. And we know it's actually what mattered most to Jesus, that unity would be what he prayed for. Before we meet again physically, in the weeks and months ahead, more and more as one community in different ways and reach up to heaven and reach out boldly for Jesus, now is the time for us to be praying for spiritual unity so that then we can tell everybody the king has come. The kingdom is here. It's near because we are here. And that word repent gets a pretty bad reputation itself because we kind of think about blokes blustering with billboards and uh, shouting at passers-by, etc. But it's a beautiful word, actually, the word repentance. You know, repentance is how God changes you and me to be more like Jesus. That's all repentance really is. It's how the kingdom comes, how we look more like the king. Matt talked before about the mirror and how much time some of us may spend in it. I'm not going to pass any comment, therefore, on how long I might do. I think as you get older, you kind of just give up a little bit. But <laughs> Jesus' brother, James said every time I open the Bible, every time I look in God's book or every time I hear the word preached, it's like an opportunity because the Bible can become like a mirror. It can be like something that I look in the mirror and, and when I do that, God is inviting me to lovingly 
change and be more like King Jesus. I think we've got a picture that kind of demonstrates that for up on the screen. It's about what I reflect. He says this, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I don't want that to happen. I want to take the time to reflect on what it is that God is teaching me and showing me. What's he showing us today? That word metanoia, repent, actually literally means blow your mind. God wants to blow our minds about himself and about the church and the possibilities of what it can do in the world. And we have, to, we have to keep on having our minds changed and reflecting like this in order to be able to move forward. It's like sailing across a lake. I used to think, you know, you'd see a boat and you just see it gliding across the lake and it looked like it's just sort of, you know, the wind's blowing it and it's just all a beautiful picture from afar. And then years ago, I got invited to man the crew and be part of something called the Round the Island Race, Round the Isle of Wight. I didn't know anything about it. Suddenly I found it's a very, very different picture. There's an awful lot of work involved in getting that boat to go in the direction that you think you need it to go. And you know what you have to keep on doing? Change tack. You have to just, you know, the wind's blowing and we've got no control over the wind and the way that it blows, but our responsibility is to respond by changing tack. And you don't go in a straight line. You zig and you zag and you zag and you zig. And that's our responsibility to be able to change with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so again, we can't wait to see more of you this summer in church buildings or cafes, out in the sun having picnics, having fun watching movies or eating popcorn or painting pictures together and doing some creative stuff together. But Jesus says right here, right now, today where you are, the kingdom of God is there because he is there with you. The kingdom of God is available to you when and if we put Jesus at the centre. All kinds of things compete for the centre. I talked to the staff team about this today. But nothing else can ever be and should ever be at the centre of the church except Jesus Christ. Not even really good things. Not even worship music. We don't want to put that at the centre of the church. It's really important. It's not the centre of the church. Ministry that we do, and we, that's not the centre of the church. Seeing my friends, children's work, youth work. It's all brilliant. It's not the centre of the church. Preaching isn't the centre of the church. Social action isn't the centre of the church. No programme, no building, no leader, no position, not how we meet, where we meet, when we meet. None of that is ever meant to be. It can never be the centre of the church or else it's just going to wobble off. No site, no name of a site. No, nothing like that is to be the centre of the church. Ivy is not the centre of the church. We're just a part, we're one part of a very big body. Jesus is the centre. And if we reflect on that, if we repent, if we see him again and put him back at the centre, see, what we've got to do is, all these are the re's that we've had and all that we're going to do. In the end, it all comes down to this. We have to re-Jesus the church. We have to put Jesus right back at the centre of the church. The church must be focused on Jesus or it's going to be off centre. He's what it's all about. He's the king. He's the kingdom. We must never replace Jesus with anything else. This is, it's all about Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we learn to become like Jesus. When we reflect on him, it's so easy to get off kilter 
But this is what church is for. And if we miss that, and to be honest, I think very often in the past, the way church around the world has often been done, we have missed that. We end up not looking or sounding like Jesus. We're not reflecting him to the world. So the real question about church, and you've got lots of questions about church and so have I, but the real question about church for me is this. Do people looking at the church, which claims to be the body of Christ, do they look at the body of Christ and say, oh, so that's what Jesus looks like? Do they hear us and say, oh, so that's what Jesus sounds like? If not, we have to change something. We have to change. We never want to say that we're doing church, but the way that we do church, we never want that to get in the way of people seeing Jesus. We have to re-Jesus the church because we are here to reflect him. C.S. Lewis said this, it's so easy to think the church has a lot of different objects, education, buildings, missions, holding services, and yet, and this is the quote you can see, the church exists for nothing else but to make people into little Christs. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, mission, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. Now look at that image. I know it's the best one we could find, and even that's not right, because it's white Jesus. And Jesus was not a white man. And that's something else that we've had to change during this time and to be able to reflect on that. Jesus wasn't white and the church has to, has to reclaim that kind of glorious multi-ethnicity that helps people to be able to see the body of Christ. You know, if you look at the genealogy of Jesus, you see all of the different people, groups in his background, then we can rejoice in that. And until we start to glory in that multicoloured beauty too, we're never going to reach the world. We're never even going to reach this city that is such... A, a fantastic tapestry of different people of different colours. It all starts when we put the real Jesus at the centre. So the body looks more like the head. And then we can reflect him more and more to the world. And we reflect on him and his goodness to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 says this. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. That's saying, when we focus on Jesus, whatever you focus on, you, you, you look more like. I was, I was actually talking, to, believe it or not, to a neuroscientist this week, and she just happened to say in conversation, oh, you know what we found? What you look at, you become like, which has profound implications in terms of what we focus our attention on. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You're already glorious. God already looks at you and says, you are amazing. You are glorious. You're, you're a pinnacle of my creation. But we're getting better. We're getting more and more like Jesus. And how? Not because we do it. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We can't do it ourselves. We've got no light of our own. I was reading this week, a guy called A.W. Tozer, and he said if, 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 if the moon was like us, what the moon would be saying was like, aren't I amazing? Look at how I light up the earth every night. And we'd say to the moon, no, Mr. Moon, you have no light of your own. You only have the reflection of the sun. 
And we have to say that too about ourselves and even as a church. The only light we have is the light that comes from Jesus. And it's only as we focus on him and as we face him and we give ourselves to him, then we can turn around and we can reflect him to the world. So the band are coming up. Would you pray and make space today and this week to reflect so we don't just react to what's happening? I want to spend more time reflecting and asking, King Jesus, will you blow my mind? So I see your kingdom come. What do I need to leave behind? Maybe as you go into these different gatherings later on today, we want to give thanks, but there's some things we might have to leave behind. What do you want me to take up in this next season so I I get to serve you the way you want me to again? How do we realign now that we have to redesign and recreate and repent and recalibrate and reimagine as we reflect? But more than anything, we want to re-Jesus. We want to... Make it all about you, Lord, and you be at the centre. You're you at the centre of it all. Lord, we want to... Let's just pray together. What else has it become about? How much has it become about me? What I want, and what I think. Lord, I want to read Jesus. I want to refocus on you. I want to repent of my mind blown by you. Recenter myself upon you. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Lord of all. Lord of the church. So I'm Lord. I'm putting you at the centre again. I'm sorry for anything, anyone else that's kind of come and taken that centre away. Take your place, Lord. Be enthroned again as the centre of it all, as the one that it's all about. You're the only one who deserves central place. It's all about you, Lord. Please, Lord, in this season, let us together as Ivy Church reflect you. So as part of the work you're doing in the world right now through your church, we get to play our part to transform the city, change the world, to shift the tracks of history during these days that you've called us to live in. Jesus be the centre. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.